0: Everybody and welcome to another episode of 28 Days Later. I'm your host, Sophie, joined as always by my co host and younger sister, Hannah. Hello. And this week we're joined for brunch by a very special guest, Cece. Hi. Uh, Cece is another uh, phenomenal, bloody good horror with me, writer with me. Uh, we together are two of the Danger Girls and two. Thirds of the dark trinity? (laughs) Yes.
1: Is that fair? It's very fair. (laughs)
0: Um, And this week we're going to be talking about Black Christmas, but first I want to know what uh, Cece's
1: favorite Bloody Mary ingredient is. So I have to be honest, I am not a huge fan of Bloody Marys, but I am a huge fan of pickles. And I think that that's a good ingredient for Bloody Marys. Yes. Solid. Girl, I, uh, Bloody Marys...
0: (laughs) My favorite Bloody Mary ingredient was pickle juice.
1: So oh, yes. yeah, so I was okay. right there with you. Oh man, pickles or pickle juice, like I love it. It's just it's so good.
0: I agree. We um we will probably not ever have. I mean, maybe we will. Who's to say? But uh, I don't know that our brother will ever be a guest on this podcast. But he famously uh used to be very much not a Bloody Mary fan, Cece, and. Ah. uh My dad let him, that stemmed from the fact that my dad let him try a sip of Bloody Mary the day that my dad and stepmom got married and my brother was like, 14. Oh yeah. And he promptly just like ran to the bathroom and Ugh. vomited everywhere.
2: Well, also like <laughs> our dad his like big ingredient for Bloody Marys is like excessive horseradish. So Ooh. much horseradish that you so can like see it floating in. Th- oh, it's
0: so much. It's a lot. Yeah so <laughs> our are like
1: basically buckled at the knees and then vomited. Oh, yeah. I'm like that <laughs> makes just my did. eyes water just thinking about it. <laughs> um, Hannah did you know
0: I recently learned that our father eats peanuts with the shells on. What? Yeah. <laughs> So I didn't eat peanuts as a kid, and I never knew this. Cece, have you ever met anyone that eats peanuts with the shells? <laughs> um, no, I definitely I have not. I eat
2: sunflowers <laughs> with the shells on.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of I've heard of people doing that. Yeah. Dad said even something know about that they this. Were
2: shells? I thought it was all at one. Seed yeah, all
0: part a very of the seed. Long time. Uh, I someone said this about Dad, and I was gobsmacked because I didn't eat peanuts growing up, so I guess I just never paid attention to how he did it. Um, but then, yeah, Ryan, our brother, was like. Oh, yeah, I ate peanuts with the shells on for the first half of my life because that's what Dad always did, and then someone made fun of me. <laughs> wow. Wow.
2: That's really wild to me, though, because peanuts have that, like, weird middle layer of, like, papery. Yeah. yeah stuff. I feel like that, chewing on that would be, like, unpleasant.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the coating, too. Like, I mean, I – well, I'm actually really sad and <laughs> – Y'all bringing this up? I just found out today that I have a an adult allergy. I just developed it to peanuts and tree nuts, Uh, and I love boiled peanuts. And I had totally forgotten the the, the oh, Cece, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess what I was trying to say is that you know when they're boiled, you would put them like like you know you put them in your mouth like break them apart. But like dry peanut shells are really like scratchy it'd be like yeah. chewing on burlap they're fibrous well cc whenever fibrous. you get
0: sad about not being able to eat peanuts anymore let me let me paint this picture for you because i learned this about my dad uh i think last winter like maybe last christmas and i was at a uh, royals phillies game here in kansas city in the beginning of the season this year so probably in may And uh, the Phillies were not doing well. And so I thought maybe as like a rally tribute, I would eat some peanuts with the shells on to see if that would make the Phillies play better. Uh Uh-huh. And first of all, it didn't work. They still lost by a huge margin. Uh, It was so uncomfortable because I don't know how many of you listening are baseball fans, but this was in the beginning of the season when the Phillies were like the team to beat. We were way, way, way up in the standings, and the Royals were like just a garbage fire of a team. And I went with a bunch of my friends that were all Royals fans, and I wore my Phillies hat and my Phillies jacket, and I was super pumped, and then we lost like... 12 to 1 it was horrible um but (laughs) i did eat peanuts with the shells on and it's not unlike if you like cardboard's not quite right because it's too dense so maybe like if you like styrofoam like no 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 if you like took a if there was like a really old phone book where all the pages got stuck together but they weren't (laughs) they weren't wet they were dry And, and then you like soaked that in rock salt And then,
1: like, wrapped it around a peanut. Uh. I mean, I don't know, like, if you were. I know. I was like, I don't know if you're trying to make me feel bad for you or make me not ever, like, or make me not feel bad about never wanting to eat peanuts again. But, like, (laughs) I want to help you not peanuts. I'm just like, wow, that sounds horrible. (laughs) There's going to be a
0: huge drop in peanut sales after this episode, yes.
2: Big peanut is going to come after us for
0: this. Yeah, the, the what's the name of the scary peanut with the top hat? I feel like he's gonna come planter down my hallway. Scary peanut. I don't know. He's got Why those is like a little. Mr. peanut is scary. I don't know. He's got those real spindly legs, and he wears so. tap shoes all the time.
1: I just he's feel bad fancy. for his feet. <laughs> Wait, you feel bad for what? His feet. Can you imagine wearing those hard plastic shoes? Like <sighs> that's gonna be rough. But
0: also I assume his body is really light because it's a peanut. It's like mostly air. It
1: it might be really light, but if you still have like noodle legs, I don't know how that (laughs)
2: like. There's a peanut mobile that drives around uh, Chicago I've seen a couple times.
0: Does
1: it have
2: the top hat on? No, it's just a peanut on wheels. <laughs> Hannah, I, I want
0: you, it. when you go to work tomorrow, I want you to ask the little boys that you nanny if they think that Mr. Peanut is scary. Because <laughs> invariably well, what will what, happen is the three-year-old will call to tell me that I shouldn't be scared because it's not real. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's what they'll That's what they'll say. Because one of them, uh, I asked him, because he watched Ghostbusters, and I asked him if any part of it is scary for him. And he looked at me like I was an idiot and he said, it's on the TV, Hannah. It's not real. (laughs) (laughs) And then later he told me I should watch a different show um, on Amazon because it's cartoon, So I would know for sure it wasn't real. Like, he was basically like, you'll know this one's not real, so you it won't <laughs> offend your delicate sensibilities, you dumbass.
0: Uh, I love that kid so much, it's not even funny. <laughs> um, well, but- I, learned,
2: uh, I learned today that apparently over the weekend he told his parents, he's in uh, preschool, but he told his parents that he's been kissing someone at
0: school. Oh, Lord. Ooh. And we don't know who he's been kissing. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, whoever he's been kissing is, uh, like, consent's not the right word because they're three, but, like, right. also wants to kiss him. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> always tell okay him he has it. to ask
2: people before he kisses them or hugs them.
0: That is true. Like, actually, uh, what a great segue to tell this story, which I never <laughs> thought I would tell on a podcast. So <laughs> I was, uh, when we were in Chicago for the Bloody Good Horror meetup, uh, I went to work with Hannah on Friday, and we took the boys to the... Uh, What park? Wicker? No. Wicker. Humboldt Humboldt Park. Humboldt Park Lagoon to go to the beach. And so we were wearing... Post alligator. Yeah, post alligator. He had... uh, Chance the Snapper had already been relocated to a (laughs) beautiful sanctuary. Um, But we were, you know, like in bathing suits and the little boys, we were kind of like standing in the water. And all of a sudden the three-year-old comes up behind me. I didn't see him. I just felt a tiny, tiny hand on my butt. (laughs) And I kind of like turned around and Hannah goes... Max, what did we say about pe- touching people's butts without asking?
1: <laughs> and he just took his hand off my butt and walked away. <laughs> just, I'm just leaving now. <laughs> yeah, it's like you have to ask um, before you touch someone's butt.
2: Also, an update on the Chance the Snapper situation. I learned recently that the guy, the specialist that they brought in from Florida who eventually caught the alligator,
0: mm-hmm. he has
2: a girlfriend now who he met while he was here. So he has like a long distance girlfriend in Chicago. Wow! And they're nice. like going back and forth to see each other.
1: That's true love. <laughs> Met over an alligator. What a story! Yeah, right? he
2: came here for an alligator, and he left with a. Mm, I'm trying to think <laughs> nope. of a not offensive animal to use as a to compare a woman to. I'm well, to be fair, he did also leave with, with an bird. alligator.
1: That's true. <laughs> true.
2: Both. And it was never confirmed I don't I don't think what gender that alligator was.
0: <laughs> oh, well that's an important question. I mean, someone has to know.
2: I'm sure he does. He's an expert. <laughs>
0: Well, Hannah, uh, I am too old and tired to go out to brunch. Uh, but this weekend, I did go to an adult sleepover, mm-hmm. um, where we almost that got sounds snowed like went in. To a swingers party, but I know. I'm like, <laughs> what exactly is an adult sleepover? Yeah, <laughs> I should clarify. This was less of that and more a sleepover where, like, people we built a giant fort, uh, which we got drunk and then watched Bob Ross in. And, <gasps> Wonderful. Uh, I had never watched Bob Ross before, oh, gosh. you guys. Amazing. Um, it was delightful. And then Tom we played Hanks board games until 3 role, o'clock in the morning. Words. What? I
2: said that'll be Tom Hanks' next great role, mark my oh, words.
1: Oh, I definitely sure. support you, Hannah. I'm, <laughs> I definitely think you're right. <laughs> and knowing Tom Hanks, like, he will just grow his hair out and
0: perm it. He will not wear a wig. He oh, will of course. He <laughs> will perm his hair. Um, It'll be great. Um, But... So we almost got snowed in because uh, we got seven inches of snow yesterday. (laughs) But we woke up. Well, it wasn't supposed to start snowing until later in the day. So we woke up. Our friend's house is maybe 10 minutes away because, you know, on the highway. But it took us almost an hour to get home because nothing had been plowed and it was very scary. So um, to soothe myself when I got home, I made myself a extremely boozy hot chocolate with uh, Bailey's and... Uh, jack daniels and it was delicious Mm. but uh hannah i understand you hosted like an actual brunch for other people
2: yeah well okay so i started doing like i I say this like it's a thing but i've really only done one so far but i started doing or trying to do like a all ladies brunch um at my apartment like once a month so we did that for pumpkin carving in october and then we did gingerbread houses uh for this one on saturday um, it was super solid. We had, like, like seven, eight girls, and I got a bunch of little miniature gingerbread houses to decorate. Um, and so far, we've done it twice. First time, we did mimosas with apple cider, and this time, we did mimosas with uh, cranberry juice.
0: Both very And just festive. to clarify, when you did the pumpkin carving brunch, did, didn't someone drink champagne out of a pumpkin? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my friend, Emma, like... We
2: turned her pumpkin into like a champagne uh, luge. <laughs> I tried it as too. you it was do. Pretty yeah, disgusting. That's so impressive. It was I very mean, pulpy. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this time, um, I we had a pretty good, uh, pretty good amount of like food, and then my one my one friend, who's a, a girlfriend of one of my roommates, she was like so hungover. She had, like, blacked out the night before. So she was drinking Pedialyte out of her champagne flute (laughs) and just, like, trying to stay with us. It was pretty good. Oh, gosh. I I broke. I bought these little gingerbread men, and I broke mine when I was trying to get it out of the container. So then I just used some red icing creatively around it and turned my gingerbread house into a
1: murder scene. (laughs) quick thinking i like it
2: yes and my other friend uh she said that hers hers was a brothel (laughs) (laughs) but it was good i I find that i've only done two so far but both times a bunch of the girls texted afterwards and just said like how fun it was or how good it felt just to kind of be around that energy so i feel like it's something i want to keep trying to do yeah i like that idea i want to start Mm -hmm. doing that especially after like the night before i live with three men so it's a lot of dude energy and like the night before one of my roommates had friends over and we were talking about the kanye west music video fade which i think (laughs) sophie is at least familiar with Cece, do you know that video
1: no um, oh,
0: Cece, you gotta watch it. Gotta it's famously not it. sexual, according to my sister, who made my entire family watch it on Christmas Day a couple years ago. Oh wow! Well, Spoiler alert: it's very sexual. So
2: there's a so the the actress who is the main. It's mostly just a woman dancing, um, Tiana Taylor, and at the end, her and her husband Amari Shumpert are like, um, in the shower, like, <laughs> basically making like a self core porn, and. <laughs> He used to play for the Cavs for a number of years, uh, and he just got picked up by the Nets because he was, like, a free agent, which is a different, like, team that my favorite basketball player's on, and my one roommate was talking about him and how, like, he's not doing anything, and I was like, oh, actually, he just got picked up by the Nets, so he's going to go join, like, my man and play for the Nets, and out of the four men in the room that were with me, all four of them were like, are you sure? <laughs> like that can't be right and I was like absolutely I read it yesterday and one of them was like we should google it <laughs> and I, I just sat there and watched them as they all pulled out their phones and all googled it and then all got quiet cause I was like yep so I was right I was right then. <laughs> like, great. I was like, no one great. wanted to
1: tell you you were right.
2: Yeah, nobody wanted to like draw attention to it. Everybody wanted to ask me if I was sure, but nobody wanted to oh, tell me course. that I was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm.
0: Which is sort of a beautiful segue uh, into the movies that we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So, just in time for Christmas, we've decided to do a very special uh, and and quick sort of series and retrospective on the B- Black Christmas series in general so that we can talk about the new one. Um, so, to start off, let's begin with the original Black Christmas, which came out in 1974 and was directed by Bob Clark, who did A Christmas Story.
2: Yeah, oh, and wow. also Porkies.
0: What? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: And... Baby geniuses.
0: <laughs> wow. He really had a career. He did, <laughs> s- he did some stuff. Um, so Black Christmas involves a, the original involves a, a sorority house. Uh, it's shot in Canada. And they are receiving these kind of obscene phone calls. And then in concert with that, members of the sorority start being murdered and or going missing. At the same time this is happening, um, our main character, whose name is Jess, uh, is has gotten pregnant. And when she tells her boyfriend, she sort of nonchalantly tells him, you know, I'm pregnant. I'm not ready to have a baby. We're going to have an abortion. He does not handle that news well. So that plot is sort of playing out while we have this horror movie slasher going on. And then in the background, we have... Um, women and girls in the town where the school is located going missing and being murdered. And so we sort of have these three storylines running parallel to each other. Um, so, uh, Cece, I know you have not seen this movie yet, so we will uh, probably spoil some of it for you, but you should still watch it because it's yes. delightful.
1: I was going to say, I feel bad just as a horror fan that I've never seen the original, and then I definitely have not seen the, re- the first remake either. Oh, never watch the never first watched remake. It. It's, never. Do yourself okay, a favor good. and yeah. pretend
2: like you don't even know it exists.
0: Right, block it from your memory. <laughs> so also,
2: I think Sophie and I only just watched the original for the first time, like, last year.
0: Yeah, we watched the original, followed immediately by the 2006 remake, and it was very bad. But yeah, oh, we yes. just, we watched it together, and we just saw it within the last year or two. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I would recommend, you know, if you have, like, some downtime around the holidays, it's a great, it's a great watch. It's not that long. Okay. Um, According and to
2: IMDb, it's uh, Steve Martin's favorite movie.
0: Wow. That's <laughs> okay. that's amazing, and I have a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Hannah, why don't you tell me, you know, you kind of covered wh- wh- when and where we watched this, but sort of let me know what you think about the original Black Christmas.
2: Um, well, I love it, and I loved it the first time that we watched it, too, so I was actually, like, really excited to, to watch it again. Um, I find it to be, like, actually scary, which I don't find a lot of, like, older horror movies, like, they could be amazing, but a lot of times they're not actually scaring me. Um, and a lot of the the way that they do a lot of, like, POV shots of this, like, guy inside the house watching the girls, and um, they also do a lot of, like, shadows in the backgrounds of scenes, so that you it kind of, like, implies he's there. Um, I, like, really like the way that that built builds, like, tension, and it makes me feel scared like someone is standing behind me. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a a lot of stuff like that in this movie that I really love. And then the actual phone calls themselves, I find to be very disturbing, because they're just super weird and uncomfortable, and I read that they, like... Gross, yeah, and that they, like, cut a bunch of different uh, voices and things together on some of them, too. So it's, like, the actual, like, frequency... Of it doesn't make sense either, which also I feel like really like gets under your skin when you're hearing Mm -hmm. it. Um, But I was a little disappointed, um, only because when I was reading about it, uh, because I love it, and I was like, oh, I can't believe I never read like the IMDb trivia. Um, And one of the things that I love about it is like this uh, alternate storyline with Jess. Um, and how they handle her deciding that she wants an abortion, especially when her boyfriend, like, doesn't support her. And she's basically like, the thing is, though, is it's not up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was disappointed because I read that at a interview in, like, 2014, um, or maybe it was earlier than that because I think he died at some point, but the director said that um, – that he never meant for that to be like a feminist statement. He just wanted
0: there some they needed something
2: to talk about.
0: That's super interesting. I I sort of wonder like he a, literally ha-
2: said like it's just something for them to talk about in between the girls getting murdered.
0: I guess but even if that's true, like the way that that, that those conversations unfold seems so uh super intentional, so like they ha- cuz I wrote down some of the dialogue, you know, yeah. we have um, when he first, when she tells her boyfriend, Peter, that she's pregnant and that she's going to have an abortion, he says, you can't make a decision like that. You haven't even asked me. hmm And she said, I wasn't even going to tell you. Um, and then he gets angry and yells at her, don't you ever consider anyone but yourself? Yeah. Um, and later it comes back, at that around. point, I
2: just wrote in all caps. Peter is the worst. Yeah, Peter's
0: terrible. <laughs> but it's fascinating because then when it comes back around, it's like he has decided, basically like they get in a fight, he has a piano recital. It's very important. How dare she bring up her pregnancy <laughs> when his piano recital is coming up? Um and then like he shows up at her house and says, like, I'm gonna drop out of the conservatory and like give up all my dreams so we can get married. And she's like, I don't I didn't ask you to do that, and also I don't want to get married and he's le- and his response is okay what about the baby and i love that again even if even if it wasn't intentional the he is there's is no part of his character that feels um empathetic like mm-hmm. he he's only asking her to marry him so that he can have ownership of her body and uh, and take away her agency to make that decision
2: right well and i also um, kind of I'm kind of, like, fascinated by this movie from 1974 where the final girl is outed very early on as, like, decidedly not virginal. Like... Yeah. <laughs> like, not only is it very clear she's had sex, but she's, like, become pregnant and is going to have an abortion.
0: And and Cece, I feel like you'll love this. I know you haven't seen the movie, but when, when he sort of offers, like, as his terrible olive branch, and he's like, oh, I'll just quit school and we can get married and, like, whatever. And she basically says to him, you know, um, do you remember when we first met each other and you told me all about how you wanted to be a concert pianist and you wanted to go to the conservatory and all your dreams? And then she says, You can't ask me to drop everything I've been working for and give up all my ambitions because your plans have changed. Yeah. I and mean, this movie came
1: out in nineteen seventy four. Yeah. I mean and that's it's interesting. I mean, even from an outside point of view, like I can see that the direct, like that he didn't want it to be a feminist like take on it or didn't consider it to be so but like it's so subtly i mean that situation has still been such a prevalent situation for so long that like yeah. it's it's worked itself into i mean into horror into movies into pop culture in general because like it's something that you know even subconsciously like dudes don't see as you know it being a, not necessarily offensive but like it being a, a huge deal to us and for you know i don't know it's just it's very um it's very telling for for it to be such a quote-unquote like throwaway conversation or like yeah throwaway dialogue
2: and also because the director also decided um it, like Originally, I guess, the a lot more of the deaths were actually going to be shown and going to be more violent. But then he made the choice that he wanted them to be a little more, like, ambiguous. Because mm-hmm. he thought it was scarier for the audience to have to, like, and in- in think about it and envision it for themselves. But he also, like, didn't want to sort of, like, just go for, like, shock and gore. Which I think is really classic for a lot of horror movies especially at that time so mm-hmm. f- it's just like so funny to me that like he made a conscious decision to try not to like exp- uh, like go too far in on exploiting the violence against women in the movie and had this like whole abortion storyline and then was like it's not a
0: feminist movie it's just a movie
2: <laughs> yeah and it's
0: sort of fascinating because i hi- I to me him saying that he didn't mean for the abortion thing to be anything other than just dialogue to fill space feels sort of reminiscent of George Romero saying that like it doesn't matter that the lead character is black in Dawn of the Dead mm-hmm, or Night right. of the Living Dead where it's like yeah I guess so but it just seems like there's so many other ways that could have been handled that would not I mean right there are a couple they could have talked about literally anything <laughs> yeah I feel like you'd be hard pressed now to find a movie where it's like we just need like a little bit of like filler dialogue conflict. Let's have it be about abortion.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like why weren't they arguing <laughs> about like whose house they were going to for the holidays? Like if you really want to be a couple, like that's the quintessential right. like holiday argument. So yeah. you're going to tell me that the only thing you can come up with is let's argue about abortion? Well, because yeah. there's
2: also there's also um, a part in the movie too where. When the first girl goes missing and they go to report it to the police, the police are like, she's probably just off with, a, with her boyfriend somewhere, Um which, again, is something that's like actually scary about the movie is the attitude of the cops in the mm-hmm. movie, like at all times is like just not what you want <laughs> when you're in peril. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but they say they they just dismiss them and say, like, oh, she's probably just with a boyfriend. So then they go and find her boyfriend to ask if she's with him. And when he realizes, like, he doesn't know where she is either and that she's missing, then he goes down to the police station and, like, yells at them to take it more seriously. And he's like, I'm the only guy she's dating. She's not with me. She's missing. So... And he basically, like, yells at them for not taking it more seriously. So And they like, believe him
0: right away. And they
2: believe him right away. So it's mm-hmm. like, for well, for one thing, the fact that they have to have a man come and say, mm-hmm. like, this is real. But that he also does sort of make a point to, like, yell at the cops for not taking it more seriously in the first place. It's another thing, too, that works really well, like, from a feminist perspective. And... It's just so crazy to me. Like, there's so many aspects of this movie that just feel like so well done, and, and like I really appreciate it as a female viewer. And so it was kinda like a, yeah, it's kind of like, oh yeah, just a bummer that at the end of the day he was like, "That's not what I was going for."
0: Yeah, well, but that's <laughs> that's what I'm saying though. Is there's there's so much in this movie that is. It feels overtly, it's really hard to believe that he had no intention of doing that. And I mean, I guess even if he didn't mean to, it's kind of amazing that all this stuff ends up playing out the way it does. Because one of the other things I wrote down um, is we had, so when Jess eventually goes to the police, because now several people are missing and they keep getting these creepy phone calls, um, and she goes to the cops and um, what the cop says to her is, I don't know when we can get a man on it. It's probably just one of your little boyfriends playing a joke. Yeah. And I sort of love the idea that, like, this isn't a real priority until we can assign a male police officer Mm -hmm. to look at it. And we don't want to, like, waste the resources on you. Um, And we sort of have, like I said, this parallel storyline where there's women and girls from town that are going missing. So there's a 13-year-old girl that goes missing and her mother goes to the police to report it, and they don't listen to her, and she, you know, and and I sort of, that sort of happens in the same moment that you were talking about, Hannah, where then the boyfriend shows up to report um, yeah. Claire, his girlfriend, is missing, and it's interesting to see this mother sort of saying, you know, my 13-year-old daughter never came home from band practice, it is now dark out, she's been, she's late by several hours, she never does this, she's 13, and they sort of blow her off and then this boyfriend comes in and is like, my girlfriend is missing and they take him right into an office to sort of talk about um, what's going on. Yeah well um, and when
2: they when they first go to report Claire missing her dad, who's like religious is with them and when they say she's probably just off like they literally say she's probably just shacking up with a guy yeah and he sa- the dad says, I like that's honestly worse.
0: Yeah, he basically is, like, just, if it makes you feel better. And she's and he's, like, yeah, it doesn't make me he's feel like, better. He's, like, I'd rather her be dead than, what? like, um, oh my God. be out having sex. And that's right <laughs> after a scene where the dad goes into his daughter's room and there are all these posters on the wall. Like, one is an old lady, like, sitting in her rocker and then it's a progression of photographs where at the end she's, like, flipping you off. And then there's another poster that's a peace sign. <laughs> and it sign that's express like, thyself underneath. Yeah, and then there's another one that's, like, a circle of flowers and inside of it there's a woman presumably laying on her back with her legs straight and together, and then a guy laying on top of her with his legs out and making a peace sign. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So it's just, like, all, again, uh, Bob Clark can say all he wants that he, like, did not intend for this movie to be feminist, but this is a movie that came out in 1974 where all the female characters, for the most part, that we interact with are, like, kind of, like, horny and lewd and very three-dimensional, and they have their sort of own um, inner turmoil and drama between each other. Um, but you know, they're all, I think it's pretty clear from the beginning that like all of them or most of them are sexually active. And that's just like a totally normal thing. We never see any of them have sex. There's nothing gratuitous about it. It's just sort of a fact that they're adults in college Mm -hmm. and they're having sex.
1: Yeah. Well, and oh, I'm
0: sorry, Hannah, go ahead.
2: Oh, um, I was going to say that, uh, Margot Kidder's character, I think her name's Barb. Yeah, Barb. Yeah. <laughs> she's um, a lot. So, yeah, Barb. Yeah, she's a lot. But uh there's also one scene where she's looking at like lesbian porn. Like mm-hmm. she has like a like a nature magazine or something, but when she puts it down, you can see that she's looking at like a centerfold like a naked woman.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um and so I read that they were also actually like originally they had a much more like they had a more prevalent storyline of her character being um either like well just like queer in some way Mm -hmm. um and like that's part of why she gets so upset about claire's that like it's supposed to be like she has feelings for her
0: Mm -hmm. but that they
2: ended up like not including that um as much they just like had that little kind of like throwaway thing in there
0: they have that plus they have the thing at the beginning where she kind of like confronts the creepy guy on the phone and then someone makes a joke about her Having like they wouldn't have known what to say to the guy, and that she has a fast tongue, and she goes like fastest tongue in the oh, in yeah. town or whatever, and yeah. like flicks her tongue at her, yeah, in like a super suggestive way. Mm-hmm.
2: And like when she le- when she gets upset and leaves, she says, "I know a professional virgin when I see one."
0: Yeah. <laughs> Although Margot Kidder does have one of the most cringy lines in the movie because when at the, it's just, like the first scene where the aggressive call comes in and it's very creepy and upsetting, um, and they margot kidder sort of yells at him and provokes him and hangs up and then someone says you know like we should be more careful because that that girl in town oh, yeah. got raped last week and margot kidder says oh darling you can't rape a townie Oh, lord! like
2: oof she also <laughs> yeah. is uh, early on on a phone call with her mother she says you're a real gold-plated whore mother she does.
0: She does say that to her mom. Which,
2: so if we don't get upset, but I'm going to say that to you all the time now.
0: I I anticipated that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like w- just one last final thing is that while we're talking about this idea that like the gender stuff is sort of all encompassing, one thing that I had never noticed until this viewing, and I've watched this movie probably three or four times since you and I watched it, Hannah. Um, But I had never noticed this is so later on after they find this 13 year old girl's body, they don't show it, but they find her body in the park. And so now there are like local men wandering around with with uh, shotguns, like Mm -hmm. patrolling the town. And they when these two girls are at the sorority house, the one girl screams and these men are just looking in the kitchen window Um, and so they kind of open the back door and they are both, these women are standing there like, what is going on? And the guys are like, Oh, don't be worried. We're just part of the like patrol search party and we're here to keep you safe. So don't be alarmed if you see men with guns walking around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's great because it's totally like played as absurd. And when they close, when the women close the door, the one girl's like, I would rather encounter the killer. I love this idea that even these like creepy old men who are like, Oh, we're just helping. Like all the men in this movie are like, creepy and bad. They yeah, are possessive like and patriarchal. And, possessive. and, like, at the best, the best case scenario is they're super creepy and shitty. Except, like, maybe John Saxon, who plays the the, the chief of the police. Well, He's, like, I mostly like, okay, but he's not in it that much. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, and then also, but then also, like, his character, too, like, they have um they have, like, a laugh about, there's, like, a thing with uh, Barb telling this sort of, like, dopey cop that their phone number starts with fellatio.
0: It's a new extension. Yeah,
2: and they're, like – they're discussing – they, like, literally are just getting off the phone with Jess about, like, how serious and fucked up the situation is, and then they start having a laugh at this other guy for, like, this, like, really sort of silly joke. So even then, it's, like, they're still not really taking it that seriously. Right. But, but I, I kind of, like – uh Maybe just because he's not even in it that much, but I don't mind um, Claire's boyfriend because he's pretty. he seems pretty nice.
0: <laughs> you just like his fur coat.
2: Yeah, and which I read was actually his coat.
0: <laughs> oh, my lord. he still owns lord. it. He has like a three-quarter length, very big fur coat, Cece. Like he's like a duster. college hockey player. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's great. A lot.
2: But he's, like, he, you know, like, he sort of goes, I don't know, he... Was a little more like respectful than a lot of the other men yeah, in the
0: movie, <laughs> for sure. Um, Hannah, do you have any last thoughts about this final or this Black Christmas before you move on?
2: Um, uh, I just love it, and I love that they leave it ambiguous at the end. Yeah, um, that it's you don't got a great know ending. who the, who was doing it or why. I think that that also makes it even creepier, mm-hmm. and also just kind of makes like the overall villain of the movie, just, like, the attitude of men. Right. Rather right. than, like, a specific uh,
0: actual killer. Yeah. Uh, how many Bloody Marys out of five would you give the original Black Christmas?
2: Ah, uh, yes. Um, I think I'm... Mm, I feel like I want to give it five. Mm. Five Bloody yeah. Marys. Or maybe, like, Four Bloody Marys and an olive skewer, which is basically four and a half.
0: So I think I'm going to give it four Bloody Marys and a glass of uh, straight whiskey, which is what Margot Kidder was drinking. Yeah. Um,
2: uh, except for when they were in a police station and she pulled a beer out of her purse.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, CC there's a whole scene where Margot Kidder is like feeding sparkling wine to a child. And, yeah. Like, she says- she's like, he's schnookered. He's like seven. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's insane. Um. Okay, so we're going to talk about the 2006 Black Christmas briefly, and this is how briefly we're going to do it. This movie came out in 2006. It was written and directed by Glenn Morgan, who was a very famous contributor um, on The X-Files. This was his first time getting to direct a feature film, and as far as I know, he has not been allowed <laughs> to direct one since. Um, the movie really falls into the like cruddy, like mid-2000s, gore porn kind of exploitation millennial nonsense that those horror films were doing at the time. Um, But it's basically, it feels, to me at least, like a gorier extended X-Files. It takes place in a sorority house on Christmas Eve. Uh, A man has escaped from a mental institution and returns to the sorority house, which is where he grew up, um, and starts murdering sorority sisters. And there's a whole thing about how he was, like, super jaundiced and lived in the walls and also, like, I think was the product of incest and also used to sleep with his
1: mom. It's a whole thing. Let's say, what is this? Like Michael Myers mixed with uh, people under the stairs. Like, yes, it's just,
0: it's just really and truly awful. And I think that's all we need to say about it. It's just, it's (laughs) It's, not good. Like
1: gross. It's like, yeah, there's like,
2: there's a scene where a girl is asleep and the killer starts like fingering her while she's sleeping. What? And she's like really into it, and then she wakes up, and then he like murders her.
1: Weird. Yeah. He,
0: there's a scene where they make, someone makes uh, cookies out of human skin Christmas with a cookie cookies. cutter. Um, just like, don't watch it. <laughs> I, listen, I love the X Files, and Glenn Morgan is great, but if you want to see stuff that Glenn Morgan did well, just go watch some X Files episodes. Gotcha. And if you want to see. Something similar about a guy with yellowy skin who lives in the walls. Watch any of the (laughs) Tombs episodes of X-Files because that's what this feels like. Okay, the end. So, (laughs) um, in 2019, the year of our Lord, 2019, um, there has been a new... Black Christmas movie. This one is also set in a sorority house around the holidays uh, and shares some similarities with the original movie. It obviously is not uh, accounting for the 2006 version, which is totally fine. Um, Cece, I want to know what you thought of this. Yeah, exactly. Cece, what did you think of the new Black Christmas coming to it fresh?
1: Um, So I was, let me think. I think I was relatively excited for it just because, you know, it's Christmas and a horror movie and you don't get those very often, you know, that are really intertwined. Um, So I went in wanting to really like this movie and I still really love it. I really enjoyed it, but I will say that um, at, well, I think that the heavy handedness of like of the message of the movie really resonated with me because obviously like I have I can relate to many of those things and I was getting so angry and so riled up while watching this movie that I think I gave myself a headache. So that aside I think that there were things that this movie does really really well um like I like the message of it I like what it was trying to do I appreciate that it is a very um you know a very gendered take on the whole trope especially it being the third or I guess the second remake um there are things that I think it could do better. And it's not necessarily that it was bad. It was just that, like, I don't know, it kind of, like, fell flat in some spots for mm-hmm. me. So, like, I'm interested to see what y'all think, like, when we really start talking about it. Because I left, like, being really, like, invigorated and being like, all right, yes. Like, I want to go, like, fuck some shit up. But <laughs> um, but as a movie, like, I kind of wanted, like, there to be some, like, real... I guess hearing y'all talk about the original and how, like, everything was kind of, like, alluded to. I mean, this movie is PG-13, so I I guess I shouldn't have expected, like, straight-up gore. And I appreciated that, like, the blood we get, we do find out has, you know, is black, and it's, like, this, like, gunk as opposed to, like, actual blood. So they get Mm -hmm. away with, like, spewing it more. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I'm, like, I really needed, like, if this is a movie about, like, stepping up and, like, taking up space and, like, being here. Like, I really – the one scene we get where that happens wasn't enough for me. Sure. Yeah, I think
2: that's actually a really solid point. Like, you want a little more – like, I just – yeah, like, the action having to be kind of, like, dialed back and – Less gory and stuff kind of takes a little bit out of yeah out of it and like it's it, it yeah it's like a little disappointing you don't get as much of the satisfaction from like the well, taking back of the power that you might get
1: for sure and have both of y'all seen Assassination Nation yes I have not okay um definitely watch it when you can I love it it's one of my legit favorite movies ever and I feel like in comparison to to black christmas like assassination nation does a good job of balancing the like witty repertoire of like what you assume female like <laughs> basically like how anybody assumes women talk to each other like there's this like really witty like repertoire between female characters regardless of what they're talking about and it's all it's always very like coded or like And not in a a bad way, but like, you know, that there's so much more just emotion wise in what we say to each other than, you know, just like, I guess, (laughs) regular dude dialogue. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. it's balanced really well in that movie with the violence that you're so used to seeing towards female characters. And I think that if they had balanced that better in Black Christmas, I would have felt more like, I don't know validated (laughs) i don't know if that's Mm -hmm. the word i'm looking for but you get what i'm trying to say like Mm -hmm. i i I just wanted there to be like there's a lot of talking which i appreciate because like the things they say are super heavy-handed and super like topical very straight to the point very blunt but then i'm like okay let's like let's do it let's bash some brains in (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
0: Hannah, what were you, what was your feeling overall on this since you have you had seen the original and the uh, never to be mentioned again 2006 <laughs> version?
2: Um, I liked, yeah, I liked it. i I agree um, with CC a lot um, in that I was like I didn't get the same satisfaction I would get. like it kind of like especially since it all culminates in like a big battle, um, parts of that remind me of like final girls. Mm -hmm. And, like, when you really get to see her, like, just, like, go into town with the machete in that movie. And there's, like, blood splashing on her and stuff. (laughs) Like, that is very satisfying in a way. And so Mm -hmm. not really having that in this movie was a little disappointing. Um, But I also like that uh, I was thinking, like, when I went to see it, the theater that I was in... There was, like, one couple near where I was sitting, but a lot of the other people in the movie were men. Um, Like, there was only, like, a handful of people in there at all, but they were all dudes. And I was also thinking, like, I was sort of interested because I was like, I guess maybe if since this is PG-13 and it's a little more accessible, that that might also mean that more people will be exposed to it Mm -hmm. um, and kind of, like, might not know exactly what they're getting into and then – like, to see it uh, could be helpful <laughs> or or <it's> good <laughs> sure. for some people. Um, but I liked, uh, like, all throughout I was kind of, like, enjoying it. And then I, but I was kind of like, oh, I need a little more from this movie. Um, just because it is also, in a lot of ways, like, a very straightforward slasher.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but, and the whole time, too, was funny because I every time there was, like, an actually, like, good... Male character, I was like, I'm scared that any of the like guys who seem like nice guys are gonna turn out to be bad guys at the end. Right. So I'm right. I'm glad that that didn't really happen. because um, <laughs> I was like scared that it was just like I don't want it to be like you can't trust anyone. Right. Um, but I really did also like some of the lines that they used. Uh, like when uh, Imogen Poots character was asking the security guard uh for help um and he said something about like she was saying she's getting threatening messages on on her phone and he says to her boys will be well you know yeah and she like you know as if you've seen the movie she's been raped so like yeah. for him to say that to her and say it like well you know I don't I don't have to tell you right. like that I thought was like really smart the way that they use some of that dialogue and like Um, in the final battle, when one of the guys says, like, women in their future, where men are gonna, like, take over, um, they have the option to, like, kneel and be submissive or die, and he's like, it's your body, so you get to choose.
1: Yeah.
0: And, Yeah, Yeah, he literally is like, your body, your choice. Yeah.
2: So I like the way that they also, like, incorporated those kinds of sayings and, and... Yeah. Like that to me too feels like such a like a horror movie like winking moment. So I mm-hmm. like I did like that about it.
0: So guys, I'm going to come in here real hot and say that I loved this movie. Nice. <laughs> um I like I am totally here for everything that both of you are saying and it makes a lot of sense. It just like those things and I went into this like I had heard mixed things, so mm-hmm. I tried to not go in with high expectations because I was so worried that I would be disappointed. And then, instead, I ended up just being like, "Oh, this is everything I wanted it to be." Nice. nice. That's um, awesome. I I think like I really enjoyed a lot of the dialogue between the women. And I one thing that I like the more that I think about the movie is that we sort of have um, these four female characters that uh, that are central. Um, that to me sort of encapsulate like different not that these are the only ways but like different ways that like women can interact with the patriarchy right so we have like the friend Chris who's like very um, like angry and and like wants to like protest and make waves and like make statements and try to change things and we have Riley who is an assault survivor Um, and can I just say that how much I appreciate that, like, this movie is very much about campus sexual assault and I think manages to capture sort of the, like, emotional trauma and weight of that without having to show a lot of her, her assault. Like, I thought the way they did it was super effective because we do see some flashbacks, but the flashbacks are largely just to her, like, being held down.
1: yeah. Which is horrifying enough oh. by itself. Well, like, I, and yeah, I mean that—that's the. I mean, I, I definitely am not trying to say that's the worst part of it, but like that part, I feel like regardless of any females' experience, everyone has experienced that part at some. Right, at, you know, mm-hmm. like at that that not knowing like am I going to be able to move like can I can I get away can I like yeah can like I,
0: losing autonomy of your body yeah. completely and not being in control is this is a terrifying thing and I sort of liked that um and then we have um Helena who if you have not watched the movie I'm gonna we're gonna lay some spoilers out so if you have not watched this yet please go do it and support it um but you know Helena turns out to be Someone who has sort of been, has sort of decided that, like, the, it's too complicated and hard to always be fighting the status quo. And it, you know, it makes more sense to just kind of work along with the men in the way that things have always been because then there's a place for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Marty. Is that her name? I think the, the, the other friend. Yeah. I mean, there's Jessie as well, but I think her, her character is a lot less yeah. um, fully drawn, I think. But so Marty is, um, has a boyfriend that she's super close with, but they bicker a lot. And that sort of becomes a a, um, a plot point. But I really liked that we had these four women who are interacting with men generally, like capital M men, and also the men in their lives in super different ways. And that like none of those are the right or wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really uncomfortable towards the beginning. There's a couple things where... Chris is sort of, like, pressuring Riley to do whatever she thinks Riley should do Mm -hmm. as a survivor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ooh, this feels icky. And then, of course, the movie is like, yeah, that's not right. Like, everyone should do it the way, like, there's no right way to heal from trauma. (laughs) And so you don't get to be like, oh, well, like, you of all people should know what this feels like. Or, like, you of all people should want to sign this petition. Like, um, I thought that was really really awesome and I thought that even though the dialogue in some places feels super on the nose I felt a lot I felt like a lot of the just like dynamic between the women felt very true to me oh sure
1: and just to Mm kind of to jump in there real quick only because it's super topical um the I sent you this um link with the um it was an interview of the writer like one of the writer's directors Mm -hmm. and she made a really good point that kind of like opened me up to like and, and not that I disliked the dialogue, it was just, you know, I, I kind of wanted something, I wanted some action behind the dialogue and she um, the director talked about how yes, that the movie is very political, it's very like forward and blunt with what they're trying to say, but like she says that, you know, we've had all these movies where you try to like fold in this message or that like it's supposed mm-hmm. to allude to a message of something and she's like that obviously was not working, you know, like we've had right. all this time to make those movies. <laughs> this is not the time to make those types of movies, especially in, you know, in the position she finds herself in. And she's like, this is the time that you are supposed to be taking up space and and making your voice heard. If you, you know, if you feel comfortable doing that and we do feel comfortable doing that. So I really appreciated mm-hmm. that that was that was their headspace into going into that. Totally. I can't wait to read that article. Like when I was trying to get ready for
0: this uh, episode. So that interview is with April Wolf, yes. who is a film critic for the LA weekly, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, But she's also like written and directed and produced and done a bunch of other things. And then she co-wrote it with the director whose name is Sophia Takal. Yeah Yeah. Um, Who did Always Shine, which if you guys have not seen Always Shine, like, first of all, we should cover that movie on here because it's insane. But second of all, it's just great and super weird um, and covers a super different female dynamic. Um, She also did New Year, New You, which is one of the episodes of Into the Dark on Hulu. But I haven't watched it, so I can't um, speak to that. I I haven't seen that one. Uh, Into the Dark is like an anthology horror series on Hulu where they release like an hour and a half Movie,
1: it's month once a month, right? I actually haven't watched any of them, but it's a Blumhouse thing. I think it's mm. once a month. I'm actually not too sure about the whole like anthology setup. I just know that I had watched that, and um, I mean it's it's kind of strange, but you know, I I was glad that I watched it, and yeah. I can't really remember too much of it. But you know, it's one of those where like you you appreciate the the like the direction they were going. Mm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you're just kind of along for the ride. So I liked it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And for those of you that don't listen to it, April
0: Wolf has a podcast called Switchblade Sisters where she will invite on a female creative who works in film, whether it's uh, producing or acting or writing or directing, um, and asks that woman to pick her favorite genre film. And then they discuss that and sort of use that as an entryway to talk about some new project they're working on. So they had April Wolf as a guest to talk about Black Christmas on the most recent episode. Um, and I loved, like, she talked about the the exact same thing that you're saying, Cece, where she was like, yeah, you know, uh, some of these themes are not super subtly handled, but we don't live in a subtle time right now. Mm-hmm. So, and I sort of love the idea. I, I think, I think I won't be surprised if people kind of come out of this movie feeling like, oh, well, I just feel like it could have been, like, uh, done a little bit more delicately. I didn't need it to be so in your face, but, I mean, not to get too political, but like we have a president who bragged very openly and non-subtly about raping people. So yeah. like, I don't I don't I'm personally not here for the argument that like, "Oh, well, I just wish they would have done it a little bit more smoothly" because it's like, okay, I mean, sure. No, <laughs> I but like you obviously like you said like <laughs> obviously you guys weren't listening when that's how it was being done. Yeah, so, and I
1: think that that really like you know, harkens back to what you're saying, which, like, I I love that, um, and I, I w- I'm going to say interpretation, but now that you say it, I feel like that's the only way that you kind of should interpret the four girls and the four main characters. Um, I really think that, you know, and in the article, um, April Wolf talks about it, too. She's like, you know, really what I want people to come out of this movie doing is to talk about it Mm -hmm. and I I can appreciate that you know if this isn't your like your cup of tea or like the way that you like like things handled that's totally fine but that doesn't mean you can't talk about it it doesn't mean that you can't like be active in a way that you feel comfortable in being active like Like, you're saying, um, Sophie, it's, like, there's no right or wrong way. The only wrong way is to, like, not do anything. Right. And I really, like, the further away I step back from the movie and, like, really think about how all the pieces come together, like, that, especially with, like, the sisterhood message of the movie, really, Mm -hmm. like, makes me super happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I kind of love, like, there is even this – I think as you were speaking at CC, I was thinking that um, when I saw us, when that came out, I saw that movie twice in theaters in less than a week. And I must've read, uh, I don't know, like 20 to 30 articles about it and listened to several podcasts and different interpretations and an interview with Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like, I don't think that this movie is as artfully done as us. I think that us is like a near perfect film, but um, I think this is a movie, I just saw it earlier today, and I think um, the more and more I think about it, the more kind of things are, like, unfolding, and I'm the more I'm unpacking things, um, and it, to me, anyway, it definitely feels like a movie that, like, I want to keep dialoguing with and keep talking about, because I think, like, there's so much here... Um, I think in a movie that can feel just like you're a standard slasher, there's like a lot to unpack. And as you were talking about this idea that this movie is sort of um, using this model of sisterhood, like so the sorority sort of creates this overarching, like we, even though we can all disagree and be different, like we are all tied together in this way. And there's this awesome scene where Chris and um, and Riley make it out of the house and they are trying to run away. And Chris is sort of like, we need to leave we have to go to the police Mm -hmm, and Riley mm -hmm. is sort of like, the police are not going to believe us. Uh, Also, we just killed three people. So we can't just like go to the cops. And like, we don't know if it's happening to other people. We need to go figure out what's going on and help people. Um, And so she sort of just gets out of the car and leaves because Chris won't go with her. And Chris comes across another sorority house where the same thing is happening. Mm -hmm. And all these women that like, she doesn't really know except because they're all in Greek life come and get in her car and they go to help Riley. And I sort of love this. Like mm-hmm. I love, cause I'm sure that you have had this experience. Like when you are a woman, you will sometimes see something that just, or hear something that just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. feel like you need to check in to make sure that people are safe. And I loved that. Like it, when she drives by this house, there's nothing overtly bad happening. It's just a sorority house with a cop car outside um, but she pulls into the driveway anyway, like instinctively, yeah. she knows that something is wrong. And I had a similar experience recently. Like, so my boyfriend is doing a PhD and during the week he lives in Columbia, which is two hours away in a studio apartment. And I was with him at his apartment a couple weeks ago and we were like laying in bed, um, taking a nap and watching TV and I heard someone yelling. And I could hear this man screaming, like very aggressively screaming. Yikes. And I couldn't really make out what was happening, but I I did hear him like once or twice say the word bitch. And I was like, okay, I got to do something. Mm, yeah. And like got out of bed and like poked my head outside. And there's a guy like yelling at his girlfriend. And I kind of like turned to my boyfriend and I'm like, I don't know what to do, like what we need to do something. And then campus security pulled up and was like, we're going to handle it. Um, but I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, if I was like, listen, if you ever hear a man yelling at a woman, you need to intervene. Yeah. Like you and he and he was like, I didn't hear her like other otherwise I would have. I don't like throw him under the bus. But like <laughs> but I think like as women we're more primed to listen to that, right? Yeah. Like as soon as I heard a man yelling, I started listening super hard. Yeah. Whereas I think his response was like, oh boy, like this is a lot. Let's just uh like not let's not
1: Well, I mean, but I think that that like that also really reinforces this whole the whole point of this movie, too, or like the point that this particular remake is trying to get at is like we even see at the beginning of the movie, like there's a really like tongue in cheek discussion about how like the professors, you know, like, oh, there's nothing inherently female or, you know, there's no inherent like masculine or female or feminine way to write. And Mm -hmm. he like reads this, um, this passage and he's like asking, and I think um, he calls out Riley uh, out of like the entire class and is like, well, you know who, like if you had to guess like who, who wrote this or like what the author was trying to say. And basically she says that like, she thinks um, women, the writer, excuse me, is saying that the, women feel more like with their or you know kind of react more with their intuition whereas men use their head more and it's kind of like taken as like a underhanded like comment about women and the Mm -hmm. teacher is like oh well you know how would you feel if I told you it was a female writer and you know we Mm. find out that it is a female writer and so the whole point of this movie is like how you know the more feminine aspects of a person is like the intuition and how like you know you it's about feeling things and it's about how like you just kind of know when something's wrong and there's multiple times where this kind of thought process comes into um kind of comes into play and i think that's really interesting because especially as a woman like growing up like and i also love that they use this in the movie but like when you're walking home alone, you carry your keys in your hand or you Mm -hmm. make sure that you're like, okay, text me when you get home or okay, you know, so-and-so didn't text me or so-and-so left or okay, they're drunk, so I need to go check on them, which like these are all things that happen in the movie and there's no like real plot plot motivation to make that happen except that it's just a thing that like girls do because we're Mm – raised to be that way and guys don't inherently think oh someone's yelling or oh someone's following me i should probably think that they might hurt me and that's yeah there's actually often.
2: um have you ever heard uh the comedian guy Branham has a joke about how sometimes when he's walking if he's walking uh, behind like a woman they there and she's alone um, he'll just, like, pretend to answer the phone or start singing. He's like, that way she can know, like, immediately that I'm gay and I am not a threat to her.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, like, I I loved that opening sequence where, or I guess it's not the very beginning, but, yeah, it's, it's essentially the very beginning of the movie where this girl is walking home mm-hmm. from the library, um, and I think the movie does a great job of just making that feel, making something that I think a lot of... Um, like cis men take for granted just like walking to your car can be fucking
1: terrifying yeah Mm -hmm. and Um, i mean i'm 33 years old and i still get paranoid walking like i still walk my dog with only one headphone in because i'm like okay well i like i have a huge dog and i'm still like i gotta make sure that i could hear like who's around me and my husband never thinks about that like it would never cross his mind right yeah i went I studied abroad in South Africa when I was in college. and
0: um i I'm a runner and I wanted to find a place I could go running. And I asked the r a that was assigned to like the group of American students through my study abroad program. and he was uh, like a six foot five South African man who played rugby. yeah. <laughs> um, and when I asked him like where I could go running, he told me this great place. And I sort of said to him, you know, would it be okay for me to take my headphones with me or should I like leave them at my? Um, dorm and just sort of run so that I have like awareness of what's going on. And he was like, well, I run there all the time at night with headphones in and I'm like, well, yeah, dude, but you're like six, six and you play rugby. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not. <laughs> so yeah. We live different lives. Um, yeah. So there's that. One of the things that I really love about this movie uh, is, and I don't know if anyone noticed this, but I almost fell out of my seat. I got so excited. So there is an homage in this movie to your next. Oh really? Did anyone catch it? I had ju- to be fair, I just watched Your Next like a month ago. Uh, I mean, was
1: it the deer head on the wall? No. I mean, but also that. <laughs> the, no, I did not. I saw um, the Exorcist
2: there- 2 thing with the uh guy jumping out and strangling her.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, with
2: the Christmas lights.
0: <laughs> right. Um, well so when things, like, get... When things go off in this movie, the first thing that happens is, like, someone starts shooting bow and arrows... Oh, yeah. Uh, ...into the house. And which, if you have not seen your next, is how things pop off in that movie. And that, in and of itself, you might be like, Sophie, that's a real stretch. But it's not just that. It's the fact that once the arrows start to come in, things gets go into slow motion, which also happens in your next, and this, like, really thrumming bass... Comes in, Mm -hmm. and the same thing happens in this movie. Hmm. It's crazy, you guys! I almost fell out of my chair. I was so (laughs) excited. Well, I like turned to Jeremy. I was like, "Oh my god!"
2: (laughs) I thought of your next too, because the way that it uh, it like skims the first person. Yeah, and the the girl in that movie gets like a skim wound too. Mm -hmm.
1: I really liked. I. And I'm always looking for, you know, weird symbolism or, or subtleties. But I really appreciated that there's a conversation um, like all the girls are kind of frustrated and a little like stressed and they're having this orphans dinner and they're standing there and they're trying to kind of like just chat about things and so like they're they're deciding to play this really random game of like okay name your you know favorite top three animals and you're like okay so then this um the I guess it's did you say your name is Marty
0: I think Jesse is the one who says the animals oh right no no no, no, it is Marty it is Marty
1: um and Marty is the one who has a boyfriend so it, it actually the two things kind of happen simultaneously but while this conversation's happening um Marty's like, well, I think she names an owl. Some I can't remember. The rabbit is the second one. Yes, and then the third one is an ant. And then um, Jesse's like, okay, well, the first one is like how you see yourself. The second one is how your friends see you. And then the third one is what you look for in friends. And so everyone's like, well, why did you pick ant? Like, that's really weird. Like, that's a really strange animal to, like, find Mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. And her description is – or she basically, like, says, like, I picked an ant because, you know – they're really small and they seem really weak but they're actually very strong and like if you kill one you can't kill all of them because they're part of this like you know this unit and this family and they're all kind of joined by this this being of what they are and obviously it's making a reference to like how just as women we should all be there for each other and we should like Mm -hmm. work to like bring each other up and and to you know Persevere. And at the same time, her boyfriend, who's like the super nice guy, like very like, you know, trying to be a good boyfriend. He's kind of like everyone's big brother in the house. And, you know, they, um, you know, everyone kind of appreciates him being around for the most part. Um, He's like all of a sudden being this giant dick for like no reason. And like he mm-hmm. and Marty are starting to fight and like everyone's kind of weirded out by it. And the two of them have this like really like pretty intense exchange where she's like pushing him out the door and he's yelling at her like you know if i did this to you like you know like no one would put up with it like you shouldn't be treating me this way which true like no one should lay hands on anybody that way Mm -hmm. um but later on we (laughs) when the other prospective boyfriend shows up landon and they end up in the like fraternity house that you know where the founder is there's a like really intense whistle that's happening and mm-hmm. it makes me think of a dog whistle and how a dog whistle is like only something oh, men can shit, hear
0: Cece. and I
1: was just like what like is <laughs> that's what they were trying to go for like that was so clever because it kind of makes me think of um uh lords of salem where like mm-hmm. women like this they're they play this song and only the women can hear it and the women go crazy so like it's really i was like if that's really what they were going for like that was genius and i love it because like all of the like quote unquote nice guys hear it and it's affecting them because they are mm-hmm. of the male gender and like you can tell that they're fighting it and like all dogs can hear the like hear a dog whistle, but they just don't all react to it. So, right. I was like, okay, I see what you're doing, and I like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so we're sort of getting into the the ending of the movie, and I want to ask you guys like what you thought of the ending. So the ending, uh, very differently than the original. The ending takes a very decidedly supernatural turn. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if I'm being totally honest, when it first happened, I was like, oh, I don't like this at all. And then <laughs> basically as as soon as I left the theater, I was like, "Oh, I, I do like this a lot, um, and I have a lot of thoughts about it." But I want to know what you both thought of the the ending, sort of taking a very like metaphysical, weird, like black magic kind of turn. Uh, do you
1: want to go first, Hannah? Um, no, you can go. <laughs> I was like, "Well, I needed a second to think about it." Um, yeah, same. So-, so I was like, "No, you go." <laughs> like, do you guys want me to go if you both want to? I second?
0: mean. <laughs>
2: It's not yes. all about you, Sophie.
1: <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> so look, I'm all about like I enjoy a good supernatural twist. Um, I think that it was handled well. Like I appreciated. Um, I mean, it was kind of like I know we were talking about X-Files earlier, but it is kind of like a weird X-File-ish kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, um, like uh, it's just like kind of a weird, strange take as opposed to like solely supernatural. So I'm sure I'm glad that they didn't like really lean into that too much. And I appreciated that the way. So to really get into spoilers, we realized that like this founders bust that, um, it's Chris, right. Who? Yes. who prote- yeah. who Yeah. So Chris, um, uh, we find out has gotten all these, um, signatures to get the bust out of the main um, like basically the main school part and it's in the founders fraternity's house now and um, you know basically like he was the quintessential like white dude slave owner who like did all this horrible stuff and was still successful so you know it was making everyone else uncomfortable so they removed it as opposed to destroying it and Mm -hmm. um, it basically really the movie really starts leaning heavily into the like the rituals and kind of weird like mob mentality of fraternities and I mean sororities too I mean like any group in general like I, I don't think that it's specifically targeting fraternities except that in this movie it is because fraternities are groups of dudes and right <laughs> um so like I really liked that it It focused on, like, these weird, like, strange, like, semi-physical, semi, like, weird bonding, but in a, like, very violent way situations that, like, these guys find themselves in when they decide to, like, join a fraternity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of, like, leaning on the, like, secret societies of, like, the skulls and things that, like, all of these, you know, founders have founders of America have been a part of and I liked it because it 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 gave the whole like lineage of learned toxic masculinity somewhere to like start from and I think that it really did a good job of being like people aren't like you're not inherently evil like these are all learned behaviors Mm -hmm. and these are things that you you know essentially Put yourself into and put yourself into the mindset of because they're, you know, during these initiations, like you see the guys being like, Well, if you do this, you're not part of the founder's army. And you're like, What? Like, why would anybody ever be like, Yeah, I'm part of that? Like, that's mm-hmm. bizarre. So I liked that. I thought that it was a cool way to handle it without being like, you know, I mean, I know everything else is so blunt, but like, it is still a movie. Like, you got to have some, like, weird shit going on to, like, sure, make it interesting.
2: I actually made a joke at one point, like, when Riley is sort of, like, snooping in the fraternity house, um, and she sees them, like, anointing their Mm -hmm. pledges, that she's, like, weird, but, like, nothing to be that concerned about. Yeah. And I was (laughs) like, how weird is it that, like, because fraternities do such weird things, if you saw that, you wouldn't immediately think
0: that... Yeah. That something, right. like... Ended. Right. You'd be like, this is just par for the yeah, course. Yeah, like, you
2: wouldn't be like, oh, they're doing a spell, or, like, they're right. sacrificing someone.
1: No, you're it's totally like, right. <laughs> you're yeah. just
2: like, oh, robes anointing each other? Uh, this is
0: cool. fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> so, something that I really... As I said, when, when, they, when the ending took a supernatural turn, I was initially like, oh, I don't like this. And I think... I reacted that way because, to me, it sort of felt like it was negating the the overall message of the movie. Okay. It sort of felt like, oh, well, if what makes them bad is this weird magic shit, then, like, it negates the idea that, like... Because then it, my initial reaction was like, oh, so they're all, like, good guys who got mm-hmm. polluted by this thing. And then as I was walking out of the movie and talking about it with my boyfriend, I started to say that. And I was like, oh, I love... <laughs> my interpretation of it now my interpretation now uh is that i I love the idea that like the 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 black goop, like the horrible gross black goop that everyone's getting anointed with and then it's like run- l- literally running through their veins, is like a metaphor for the patriarchy yeah. and i love I love the way that like even the guys that are nicer guys are not immune to it, mm-hmm. like even the guys who seem pretty like on board with stuff and in tune to things are not able to completely escape the, like the, the privilege and the sort of like perks that come with privilege. And it made me think of, um, of what is it? So, um, one of my clients, uh, so I work for the, anyone listening who doesn't know, I work with guys that are on death row and I have a client who is black. And during our first, very first meeting, um, a couple of years ago, we were sort of talking about racism broadly. And in discussing this, he made this point that really, really stuck with me, sort of talking about the idea that, like, racism in America, specifically slavery and the legacy of uh, anti-black racism and slavery, has sort of left this slime on everything. Mm-hmm. That, like, you can't, the the reason that we can't just, like, move on and be post-racial is like there's this goo all over everything (laughs) and we have to like acknowledge it in order to clean it up and move forward we can't just keep like building new stuff because none of it will be clean
1: Um, I mean that's really poignant yeah and I that's
0: how I felt about the black goop it just it was like it's the same idea to me where like you can't we can't just pretend that like oh well now that the me too movement happened like misogyny and, re- and uh, sexism are mm-hmm. over and we're all past it now like when they find there's this really quick little throwaway scene where um imogen poots character riley like sees that her housemate's cat has some of the stuff on its foot mm-hmm. um and we find out later it's because like the frat guys were in the house but i just like i love the idea that like even these spaces that should be like sort of, like, sacred female spaces are being infiltrated um, in this way that is, like, really threatening and kind of leaves a grime on Mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. For sure.
2: Well, and I think, like, your point, too, that how they... It's, like, not every... Like, there are some men in the movie who are presented to us as, like, more trustworthy and respectful men, one of whom is, like, the love interest for the main character Mm -hmm. um and then like during the final battle like before it happens he gets like anointed and um but once the fight starts his hand starts like shaking Mm -hmm. and the one guy's like you good bro (laughs) yeah um and so it's like the I i think that that too is like a good representation that like I think I mean I think that they were still making a point to be like he is a good guy. And like yeah. but he, even he isn't like immune to that.
0: Yeah. That power. And I sort of I sort of loved that so we should mention so that character's name is Landon and he is played by a black actor and I sort of loved the idea that like these these guys in the fraternity uh never uh would have given him the like weird goop, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're doing it because they're like, oh, he's aligning with the women, so yeah. we need to allow him to think he's one of us, so that he won't like undermine our power. Yeah, mm-hmm. which feels like a super poignant way to handle that. Um, which and I where mean, you know, they, like they only let him, they only let him join because, like, because obviously, typically within the framework of this movie and just life in general, like. White men who are in power Are like not super thrilled To give their power to anyone Who is not another white man But right. I like the idea that they're like We will let you be one of us If it stops you from joining With other people who are under us
1: Yeah well and I mean I think that You know to to back up your point Like there's a scene where It's Riley and Landon Kind of looking at each other And you like And the, the rest of the fraternity Is like burning down And it's kind of like You're you know You don't get the the typical final girl setup because you have the final like sisterhood but also you have a black man who is this ally and how, you know, women and people of and people of color or just minorities in general, you know, like we're all part of the same the same group and like that's that's where we need to be aligning. So I think mm-hmm. that, you know, to really to really cement what you're saying, like, yeah, the guys in the fraternity will allow Landon to be part of the fraternity, but only because they don't want him joining the other side. And mm-hmm. if he joins the fraternity, they can still, like, technically have control of him. Right. Um,. Yeah, no,
0: that's super crazy. And one of the things that I really like, I listened to the Switchblade Sisters episode with April Wolf, and the movie that she picks as her genre, past genre film to talk about is Prince of Darkness by John Car- the John Carpenter film, and they're sort of talking about the idea of Lovecraftian horror. And I love, I think this is definitely like a bigger thing than we have time to talk about, but she's sort of, frames black christmas as as being lovecraftian in its own way right and she sure. sort of says she says okay in a typical lovecraft movie or story you get a main character who is faced with the idea that you know it's it's a human being who thinks that humans are all important and then that is challenged when there's an understanding that there is something else that is bigger that you don't understand mm-hmm. And she's like, our movie is kind of Lovecraftian in that it challenges the idea that, like, men are, like, the all-important center of things yeah. and, and should have the power. And I just thought that, that like, really blew my fucking mind. <laughs> I just really love the idea that, like, in some, in some experiences, it might be equally horrifying to realize that, like, you're not the most important and good person in the world, as it might be to find out that, like, there are monsters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Cthulhu is real, and also uh, male privilege is a super real thing. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um. So, the other, the only, <laughs> I know, it's like, and, like, where do we go from well, here? Well, I was the, I
1: was going to add, it's all and horrifying. Wait, and... I know. <laughs> well, they, that's what it was. It was a collective moment of silence of, uh, how real is what you just said? <laughs> yeah, yeah, woof. I'm not going to edit that out, we're leaving that No, in. that's totally fine. <laughs> um, well, so, I just want to ask both of y'all real quick, like, what did you feel, or how did you feel about the, like, basically the, like, climax of the movie where you really get this, like, this confrontation between the sorority and the fraternity?
2: Um, well, I personally, like, um, will admit that, uh, I cried. (laughs) Um, In particular, just, like, the – during the, like, the final battle, Um, the person who, like, at this point has been, like, revealed to be the guy who assaulted Mm -hmm. Riley's character, um, during the final battle when everything's going down, he is, like, on top of her – and she – it sort of, like, flashes back and forth between him on top of her and then um, her pushing him off and, mm-hmm. like, killing him. Yeah. Um, and, like, just seeing that and the way that they – the way that they cut that together, like, made me actually emotional. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah.
2: So – yeah, like, I felt like that, that um, was just really triumphant to me.
1: Mm-hmm. And I kind of like I couldn't say the said it better myself. Lied. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, the way they, I mean, like, we kind of talked about before, like, the way they, um, the way that, like, all this melee is happening around her and, like, she sees, you know, all of her sisters, not only, like, from her sorority, but also just, like, her fellow women being, like, you know, pushed to the edge. or And some of them are getting beat up while they're trying to beat up these dudes. Um, but, like, to see her, like, care so much about them while at the same time, like, fighting this, like, internal battle of, like, you know, her not wanting it to happen again, but her kind of feeling you know, like struggling with the like feeling powerless while also trying to really like push through that was super heavy and a Mm -hmm. really intense moment to like have, you know, it, it was a, the microcosm of what she was experiencing happening in this huge scene was really intense. So I totally agree with you, Hannah. Yeah.
0: It's just, there is something so beautiful about, that final scene, especially because, you know, at first it seems like she's on her own and they're going to mm-hmm. kill her because she's alone. Right. And then all these other women come in and it feels like, okay, she's not alone anymore. She, she's going to be okay. And we see the tide start to turn and the women start, start losing. They, they're not, you know, like we're sort of seeing one by one, one, these women are, are being overpowered by the, each man that they're fighting. Um, and it, it starts to feel very hopeless. Like, okay, well, we're not strong enough alone, but we're not strong enough together. And I sort of liked the idea uh, that, like, the way that they were able to gain control was by smashing the big goop bust. Like, (laughs) within this current system... goop bust. (laughs) Like, women, just women fighting, like, individual dudes, even if we're together, isn't enough because the problem is still that the system is broken, right? Like. The system is still still set up in such a way that we, like, that we will not be, like, believed and not be able to have power. And I love this idea that, like, like you said, Hannah, the way that they edit that scene where she is sort of very, very physically back in the same position that she was. And she's able to sort of, you know, like, this time very clearly, like, so that it's very clear that we're not, like, victim, victim blaming her. Like, now she's strong enough. She was roofied last time. Like, yeah. This time she is physically mm-hmm. capable of sort of like turning the tables in that situation. I found that incredibly emotional well, and really effective.
1: And, you know, there was a moment where I got really angry because I thought what was what was about to happen was going to happen. Like isn't the whole reason that she kind of like is able to overpower him is because Landon like hits him with something or like there's a there's a moment where like Where Landon comes in, and I was like, if he saves her, Mm. I'm going to be so mad. (laughs) But he doesn't. it's like, either, he either, I, I can't remember what happens, but there's a moment where something transpires, and Landon's a part of it, but it's only really to, like, enable her to, like, really... I I don't know a better way to like vocalize it but like it it just helps to enable her to like get up and to like really like get an upper hand it's not that he's coming in to save the day or that like because he's there everything's okay Um, so I appreciated that like it the focus never turned from her and that it was still a like it was still a partnership rather than like her needing to be saved or that you know cuz i was like if he saves her and then all of a sudden it's like well there's good guys out there it's like yeah we get it like that's not that's <laughs> right not yeah the point that's not this what movie. this is about <laughs> yeah. yeah so um i i was really i mean i i think that they did a great job with like handling all of those types of like i mean they I, they were women making a movie for women by women, so I think that they really did an awesome job of like yeah. noticing those types of things. Mm-hmm. I agree with
2: that, that I, it's a movie that like watching it, um, I just felt very like seen kind of. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, great. Well, does anyone have any final thoughts on Black Christmas before we wrap? Um, My only
2: final thought is when the one girl, uh, I think her name was Franny maybe She's a girl with the glasses. Oh, she. Uh, oh, she was great. She was yeah, great. when she when she got killed, um, and she was like looking for her cat all over, and then someone runs up behind her and strangles her. I wrote down in my notes that's why people shouldn't have cats.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I that just reminded me that I did have a very very dear male friend text me after watching this movie to ask if diva cups were a new thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I no
2: way, because the person I saw it with asked me what that was. Oh. Yeah, and I got to like
0: explain to him what a diva cup is, and that they are in fact not new. Yes. Uh, diva cups are great. So, yes. so CC, out of five,
1: how many Bloody Marys would you give this movie? Uh, definitely four and like two pickles. Oh, great, <laughs> phenomenal, Hannah. I love what about how you?
2: You you're you're getting into our arbitrary rating. Oh system. Yes. yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Hannah, slumber. it's not arbitrary. It's scientifically proven. It's been validated. <laughs>
2: I think I would give it uh, probably like three stars, but with a beer back. So basically four stars.
0: So no Bloody Marys at all is what you're saying? What did I say? No, you said three stars with a oh, beer back. Where am I?
2: What's happening?
0: Anna, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what podcast are you on? Three,
2: three Bloody Marys with a beer back.
0: You're on, like, your Drunken Astronomer podcast. You're like, three stars and a beer back. I see it in the sky. Someone's going to die. (laughs) I am going to give this movie uh, four straight whiskeys because I thought it was great, and I think that Margot Kidder would approve. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice. Um, So, Hannah, I believe you have our inladier news.
2: Yes. So, I'm not sure if you guys... Have you been following or aware of at all uh, Gabrielle Union being fired from America's Got Talent?
1: No. So I d- hadn't followed it, but um, I saw it because I saw her response to someone else being fired.
2: Yeah. So she like so she did um, she did a panel this week. Um, as she did like a, a, a panel in New York on female empowerment and inclusivity and. Um, as a part of her talking about her clothing brand, and someone asked her about the stuff going on. So basically, Sophie, like, to catch you up, she got her and Julianne Hough, who are the only two female judges on Mm -hmm. America's Got Talent, were both uh, fired. And they didn't really give a reason for it, and they just said, Mm -hmm. like, we're just going to, like, replace them with two new female hosts or judges for next year. Yikes.
1: Yikes, Um, yikes,
2: yikes. And Gabrielle Union basically said that... uh, for her, she feels like in her case, she had a lot to say while she was there um, about inclusivity and female empowerment. Um, and there was a few times where she reported uh, men who worked at the show for making like inappropriate comments, and um, specifically said that like her and Julianne Huff would often receive a lot of notes about like their uh, appearance. Not their mm-hmm. performance. Good lord. Um, and that really bothered her, and so she kind of feels like she got fired because she was being like too loud, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just the article that I was reading um, is what she said when she was asked about it at this uh, panel. So I figured I would just share with you her, uh, with you what what her quote was. Um, yeah, please do. Because so she said, um. Don't be the happy Negro that does the biding of the status quo because you're afraid. Don't allow them to call you angry when someone else is called passionate. It's terrifying, and there's a solid chance you'll lose your job. I speak from experience. Do your best because corporations want global dollars. Do your best to try to hold the door open and hold others responsible. Yeah, I'm asking you to do the impossible. I'm fully aware that job loss is on the table, but if you're not doing it, nobody is. Um, And then... She said sorry, I have to scroll down to the rest of it. Um she said, How many checks do I need? This financial freedom, there this financial freedom is really shackles masquerading as zeros in my bank account. There are a lot of people who are only interested in filling their own plate, but I can't enjoy my food if everyone else is
0: starving. Hmm. Well said. Well said. Although I think it's important to note that like not everyone has multiple zeros in their bank account that may not be an option for everyone. True. But I appreciate what she's trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um now in a totally unprecedented move, I realized partway through the episode that Hannah and I did not discuss what we're doing next week. And so, I will be arbitrarily assigning homework without running it by <laughs> Hannah. Boom. Our next episode is going to be a little bit unconventional, but I think it's going to lead to a really phenomenal discussion. We are going to be doing the first in a new series of Women We Admire, and we're going to be covering Jenny Slate's new stand-up, Aww. Stage Fright. I don't admire women. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Uh, wow. Okay, I'm going to have to uh, we're have to get back to you guys next <laughs> week. I'm going
2: to choose uh, Jared Leto
1: Oh
0: Lord,
2: playing a trans
0: woman instead perfect okay perfect no we'll cover you need to do jared instead.
1: leto playing jared leto carrying jared leto's head yeah <laughs> that's at the a, that's woman
2: that i'm most inspired by
0: yeah oh my atlanta um well before we go cece do you have anything that you want to plug or do you ha- want to tell people where they can find you on the
1: internet um, you can find me on the internet um, mostly on twitter at calls in the night um i am also on the uh BGH bloody good horror main podcast I also have a um, dark horror literature fiction whatever we kind of feel like talking about podcast that I host called something red and it is a part of the bloody good horror patreon but you can get a couple um, I mean a good handful of episodes free as well so please check that out And And you should, because they're great. Thank you. And um, I'm also over at um, a great website by our wonderful friend, Valeska. It is Anatomy of a Scream. And um, I contribute to the Grimm magazine, which is through Anatomy of the Scream. So, yeah, a couple of things to find me. Check me out on there. Boom. Boom. Hannah, can people find you anywhere on the internet?
0: No. That's why you Okay, cool. never asked Move me this on. before.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so if you want to reach out to us at the podcast, you can email us at 28daysladier at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at 28DaysLady underscore ER. Uh, feel free to give us your feedback on Black Christmas, new and old. Uh, if you have hot takes about the 2006 version, I guess you can share those. Nope, uh, keep, uh, but, uh, <laughs> keep it to yourself.
1: Yeah, homework. just go ahead
0: and keep those to yourself. So, uh, <laughs> ladies, thanks for joining me. Yes,
1: thank you. Clink. <laughs> clink, clink. <laughs> 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 Amazing. (laughs)